0: Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. And um, if you were expecting another Doug to be preaching here today, I think I told you last week that Doug Fern was preaching today, but on Tuesday we had to make a switch. So he is our pastor on the East Campus and they're having kind of an outreach today and it made sense more for him to be there and me to be here. So I found out Tuesday I'm preaching to you guys. So it was awesome. It was good. It's an honor to do this uh, with you too. So next Sunday you will hear Doug Fern preaching his. So, but we are in this uh, really cool series called Generous, just talking about our gift giving God. And I thought I was going on Christmas Eve and I had all these pictures. I'm just going to go ahead and show them anyway, but it's kind of cool for me. And if you've been around me on Christmas Eve, I've done this before, but like as a dad, you want to give the best gifts to your kids. And so we're talking about God being a gift giving God. I just like looking back over the decades, like what were the best gifts that dads were giving to their kids? What were the most popular gifts? So you look back into the and I'm going to hit every decade right here. Everybody represented. I'm probably going to hit one of yours. Okay, so let's go back to 1940. Like Legos were the big gift then. Woo, Legos and a slinky. Like wow, if I could just give a kid, my kid, a slinky now and he's happy with that, that'd be really simple and be nice. Okay, in the 50s it was Barbie, right? Or a hula hoop. Again, give me a hula hoop today and throw that at my kids. Okay, so the 60s, Etch-a-Sketch was big. G.I. Joe, maybe, am I hitting some of yours yet? Big Wheels were big in the 70s. And Rock'em Sock'em Robots, I had one of those. So that was cool. What else we got? Uh, Cabbage Patch dolls in the 80s. A little bit of Nintendo going on hit the 90s, you got Beanie Babies, you got Tickle Me Elmo. I used to love to go to the kids' sections when my kids were little and push all the like, things and make them all go at the same time. I used to like to do that. I, 2010 was the iPods, Xbox Kinect, and then I don't know about these. Like I'm totally out of the loop on Fingerlings. Is that legit? Is that a big deal? I had no idea. Not, or Hatchimals. No, that was new to me, and so was the LOL surprise doll. I would have thought like an iPhone might have popped in there too somewhere. So, um, but yeah, I guess as a dad, you just you don't want to let your kids down. You don't want to like be the dad that didn't come through on Christmas. But what's so cool when we talk about our God, our Father in Heaven, being a gift-giving God, He He delivers you know the best gifts. Last week, if you were here. Um, we talked about the gift of adoption, and what a fitting picture the Lashmets have given us of adoption. But that God has offered us the opportunity to be adopted into His family. If you were here last week, Wade said a couple of things that just blew me away. Things like when he um, talked about how God loved us just like He's loved Jesus. Like you are, when you are adopted into God's family, you are fully brought into the family, legit. Like you are loved by God just like He loves. Jesus, and so you think, okay, is my older brother rolling his eyes at me? Then, if I'm coming in to this family, and you think about Jesus saying, "As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you." Like, what an amazing gift that we can be adopted and be fully God's sons and daughters. So that was a great one. And so <clears throat> today, we're going to talk about one that is is a lot bigger, realized on the surface that we all, in fact. In 2014, the Surgeon General um, at that time was, I'm going to probably butcher the name, Vivek Murthy, um, in the Washington Post, um, said these things about this epidemic that's running, running throughout our country, that it's um, having a bigger impact on our lifespan than smoking 15 cigarettes a day, and that this uh, ailment is causing a greater impact on life expectancy than obesity. And so you're kind of built up for something huge. Okay, what is this? And what he said, the issue is, is loneliness. I mean, that's such a letdown. Wait, loneliness? You're ready for some virus, you're ready for something. But, but no, loneliness is running epidemic in our country. And like he said, as great a health risk, uh, a, a reducer of your lifespan as 15 cigarettes a day. And so, I mean, if you think back to your life, your life, probably some of the most painful moments, the, the most difficult or challenging moments were those where maybe you were the new kid at school? Like everybody knew each other except you. Or you were the new person on the team. Or you were new at a job and it was just you and a bunch of people already knew each other really well and you had to fit in. Or uh, have you ever been alone on Christmas Eve? Which is just you. Um, have you ever carried something um, so painful but you just couldn't talk about it? And you're around a lot of people, but you just had to just carry that thing, and you couldn't share it. I mean, those moments of isolation and loneliness just rob us of life. They're so drainful. They're so painful. And what's weird is that I think we are as connected a people as we could ever be. I mean, I can pick up this stinking thing and connect with just what, literally, you know, what, how many people just through this, and yet... We're able to connect technologically, but just practically more and more Americans are describing themselves as being lonely. And it's more destructive than we can uh, imagine. And so into this situation steps our gift-giving God, our generous God. And so if you look at the narrative we're going to read today in Matthew chapter 1, when Matthew tells the birth narrative, he tells it through the eyes of Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, And so um, Joseph was probably mid-teens, late teens, was in kind of the equivalent of being engaged to Mary, who was also mid-teens, maybe a little younger, and so ready to get married and all of this. And he finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he knows it's not him, okay? So he's stuck, and and Matthew describes Joseph as a righteous man. So he feared God, and he knew God... um, would not honor you know sex outside of marriage, he wanted to do this marriage correctly. He wanted to do what God wanted to do, but also, as a righteous man he didn 't want to like make a huge deal out of mary 's sin he didn 't want to expose her sin because most likely he was so aware of his own sin too, so he 's caught in this quandary, so his decision was, well, I need to divorce her because there 's something going on here, but man, I do not want to throw her under the bus. I do not want to expose her to shame and so That was his plan. And then you jump into verse 20 in Matthew chapter 1. It says, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what we're going to do this morning is celebrate this amazing gift that God has given us, that God has given us himself, that God has given us Jesus, who would be God with us. So before I continue to teach, let's just pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray first. And I don't know what's going on in your head or your heart this morning, but could you just ask the Lord to just calm you down and so that he can speak directly to you about this amazing gift that he is with you. So just ask him to teach you today. Lord, we're going to unwrap an amazing gift today. So would you make it clear from your word to your people that you are a God who is with them and a God who is for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple outline today. Who is God? God is with us. God is for us. That's where we're headed. Let's start with who is God. So before we start saying God is with you, let's make sure we understand who we're talking about is with you. It's brutally hard to find a concise definition of God. I mean, that makes sense. We're trying to define God. And so I looked, and maybe the best one that came apart, and I'm going to even just kind of splice this one a little bit, is from the Westminster Catechism. It was written in the mid-1600s. But well, listen what this, again, is just scratching the surface on who God is. There is but one living, only true God, who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will. For his own glory, he is most loving, gracious, merciful, patient, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, the rewarder of all who diligently seek him. God has all life, all goodness, all blessedness in and of himself and is alone in and unto himself, all sufficient. His knowledge is infinite and infallible. He is the most holy in all his counsels, in all his works and in all his commands. (laughs) And that was abbreviated, okay? So, that's who we're talking about. And whenever in the Bible God revealed himself to people, it was never met with kind of a passive response of indifference. Oh, that's kind of nice. Uh, what else you got up there? Like, no. Every time people saw God, there was a, a, a response of either just a terrible, terrifying fear or just amazing, profound, awe struck worship. There was no indifference when you came into the presence of God. So in Revelation chapter 20, when John had a glimpse of heaven, he said this, I saw a great white throne, and God was seated on it. And the earth and the sky fled from his presence. I mean, today, um, the things that are awe-inspiring to us, like when you see God's creation, when you see some of these nights we've had this fall with just the stars out at night, or we see some of the beautiful sunrises or sunsets, or you've seen the Grand Canyon, or you... Um, yesterday I had the privilege, there's a couple of people here that just gifted my dad and I with a chance to go pheasant hunting. I hadn't pheasant hunted with my dad for years, and it showed. I was like oh, for 8. Uh, I could say we got 6 pheasants. We, collectively. <laughs> I got 0. But just a, a beautiful December day and seeing German, German short-haired dogs working together and honoring each other. And it's 50 degrees in Iowa. You just, you're with your dad and just like, wow, this is awesome. But all those things we see... And this Earth are just glimpses of the full glory of of God, and so that 's who it is that offers uh, to be with us. Um, this one who spoke and all came to be this one who sustains the universe and the galaxies and the stars just by the word of his power, this most dominant awe inspiring impressive being in all the universe has chosen to come and be. God with us. Okay? Let's just talk about this with us. So that just so you get it straight, who wants to be with you? This is God, okay? And now He is God with us. And so Mary's Son, the promised Messiah, fully God and fully man, came to be God, God with us, okay? And so He came to make that possible. He came in the form of a very humble, uh, little, fragile baby born in a manger who grew to become a savior, but also a servant, who gave his life for us so that such an infinite God could be accessible by such small and broken people like us. So the greatest one in all of creation then has given us the greatest gift of all. He has given us himself. And so I don't know who you compare Christmas gifts with after Christmas, like here's, you can, you can end that conversation well this year. Okay. So people might say, well, I got an iPhone 10, or I got a sweater, or I got pinstripe bowl tickets, or I got, you know, whatever they may try to just toss out there. You can just kind of hold back till the end and you can just say, I got God. You know? So like, but God, the amazing, amazing gift he's given us is that he has given us himself. He has given us God and, and one thing has just struck me in bigger ways than ever this week, kind of a crushed week, crunched week. But but that this is a theme you see throughout the scripture. This isn't just at Christmas. Boy, the word Emmanuel sounds really cool in songs and on cards. Let's just really build this up at Christmas time. You'll see this throughout the scripture. 120 different times, God is infusing the truth and the gift into His people's hearts. That I am God who is with you. You'll see it throughout the scripture. So if you don't know all these characters, I'm going to just toss a few out there. If you're new to the Bible, don't. I'm not looking down on you, but I just got to tell you, it's throughout the scripture. Like there was this guy named Jacob, for example, that was at a real crossroads in his life. And he was out in the wilderness. He's like, God, what am I doing? He was afraid. And God spoke to him and said, I am with you and I will keep you in all places. So you keep going on into history. And there's this guy named Moses where his assignment was to take God's people uh, into, through a wilderness, into a promised land. And this people, man, they were, they were a case. Like they complained and they grumbled and they argued and nothing was good enough. And so Moses had, I think one of the, it's, it's a beautiful picture of leadership. He said, God, I am not going to leave these people unless you go with me. Like I, I insist, like you find somebody else if you're not coming with me. And God assured Moses, my presence, my presence will go with you. When When Joshua came along to take Moses' place, God said to Joshua, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, these these people needed to hear that. How much more do we, you know, at the start of our day, like if we just knew for sure God would be with us, God would love to encourage us. There was a time where God's people were living in a very dark time. They were in exile in Babylon. And through the prophet Isaiah, God said to his people then, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. There was David who saw many, many hard times. His own life uh, was often threatened. And so in in Psalm 23, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some of the last words Jesus spoke to his people before he ascended to heaven, it's called the Great Commission. And there's two commands in that commission. Everybody kind of latches onto the first one and they forget the second one. But it's when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. That's the first command, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And then he said, And behold, and that's the second command behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like, don't just run out there and make disciples, but make disciples, but remember, I am with you always. Like, this, you see it throughout this scripture. God keeps pounding it into our heads. Like, I am God who is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. And so. Here's what just nailed me this week, okay? This is throughout the scripture, and I'm supposed to be a pastor, and I'm supposed to know these things. Like, so why, if this is true, why don't we act like that? Like, honestly, if you look back in the last year, how many times were you afraid, anxious? How many, You know, what if we did a, a video here of Doug's freak-out moments from 2017? You guys would laugh until I'd say, okay, yours is up next, okay? And so you, you go, okay, so... Okay, if all this is true, and we read all these, oh, they stir my heart, oh, God is with me. Like, so why don't we live this way? Why don't we feel like this? I mean, if God was with us, we'd be joyful, we'd be confident, we'd be courageous, we'd be humble. It's, you know, it's not about us, what's going on? So I think what's going on um, is this. I think we have a propensity in our hearts um, the Bible just calls it sin. That's where I'm headed. The next couple minutes are not good about us. Okay, so little heads up there. But like there's a propensity in us uh, and this will totally blow us away. When the day comes and we see how great and awesome God is and we get to see his glory and then we look at our lives. Like, so how passionate was I about worshiping this God or obeying this God or praying to this God or staying close to this guy? I think what will totally shame us will be, how many times we basically have ignored this awesome God. And we have ignored his invitation to be God with us. How many times uh, we did our thing instead of his thing. You know, there's a, it's almost like we, just our hearts have this default that just says, I got this. It's, I got it. Thanks God, but I I know you're all glorious. I know you offer to be with him, but I got this. I'm going to do what I want and not what I want. And there was a phrase that hit me this morning, is that we have a propensity in our heart that says, uh, I can do this by myself. I can do this by myself. So here's a God that wants us to be with him, wants to be with us. We say, I can do this by myself. I can do this by myself. I can do this by myself until we end up in a spot where you just kind of look and you go, I'm by myself. Like I'm, I'm all alone. Like what, what happened? And so if God, I mean, God says, I'm God with you, if God seems far away, um, guess who moved? And there's two choices and let me just speed it up. It's you. Okay. So God didn't move, you did. And that's what sin is. Sin is us doing our thing instead of God's. It's I got this. And so if you keep building on that, you were really wired, your soul was wired to know God and to know that God is with you and that God cares for you. That's how your soul is wired to flourish. Because it's when that happens then. You're free not to live for yourself, but you're free to give to others, to share to others, to lay down your life, to be generous. Like that's how you were wired to exist. But because of sin, it breaks us from God. And so we're saying, I got this, I got this. I can do this by myself. I can do this by myself. You end up by yourself. And that's a very intimidating place for your soul to be. Uh, You're not wired to be self-sufficient. You're not wired to be all-powerful, all-knowing, All wise. And so you live instead of this, instead of in God's kingdom where God's in charge, you live in this very, very small, and I'll be blunt with you, very pathetic little kingdom where you're the king and the people in your little kingdom are not there for you to serve them, but really they're there to serve you. And so you start pulling from people around you. You start, because you've got needs and your soul is starving for what God can provide, but here you are, I can do this by myself, by myself, and you end up you end up by yourself. And that's a picture of, of sin, where that takes us. It cuts us off from God. And then sin flips us of being people that will use people instead of serving people. And so um, there were two names that the angel told Joseph um, that Mary's baby would, would have. Okay, so there were two names. And it's a good thing there were two names. So one name was Emmanuel God with us. Let me read verse 21 again, just to make sure we don't miss the first name. It says that she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, whatever. So look at the next phrase, because he will save his people from their sins. Where Jesus means God saves. So Jesus came not just to be God with us, but there had to be something that had to happen first we need to be God saves. We needed to be saved. We need to be rescued from our own stupidity, from our own sin, from our own propensity. Yeah, we have no idea how offensive it is to a holy God to tell him, I don't need you. I got this. I'll do this by myself. We've offended a holy God. So our greatest need was not that we were alone, but that we were in sin and separated from God and separated from people. And so Jesus came as God saves he came to rescue sinners. And that's, that's amazing news for us, too, because we all need that. And so Jesus said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or I like Second Corinthians 5.15 that says that Jesus died for all so that those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf, So Jesus sets us free, He forgives us, but then he gives us the power to stop living in this little kingdom of me and to start living um, as, as an adopted child in God's family, as a part of God's family, where he is God with us. And so to see you catch the heart of God, God longs for that to happen for all of us. Look how God describes his picture for you, what he would love for you to be true for all of eternity. Revelation 21, verse 3 since behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what God longs for, is for you for all of eternity to be with him. I, I get tired of being around me. for It doesn't take me long, but just that, that the God of the universe wants you to be with him for eternity is staggering. So um, about 10 years ago, um, I had the privilege of going to Sudan, southern Sudan, to work with pastors for about 10 days. And these pastors were in some of the most brutal conditions to be a Christian in in the world. At that time, most oppressed regions of our world. My job was to teach them how to be a pastor. And I could promise you that out of all the pastors in that room on those 10 days, this pastor learned the most. I didn't have, I mean, I gave them some content, but what I got from them was just a passionate love for Jesus in the midst of oppression. It was a powerful 10 days. I had two teammates with me, and while I was with these pastors, these two teammates were investigating how a church could care for orphans in Uganda and Kenya and in southern Sudan so at the end of the 10 days the three of us rejoined and before the trip one of these three men said you know what we're going to be in Africa and if we could extend our trip a couple days I would love to treat you to a safari and there's the part you know the part of me is like very no we got to get it done we're here so it's like look the trip will be over let me just cover it for you and let's go on this safari and you guys um, it's weird on one hand that was one of the coolest things I ever got to do, but if you were to ask me, like, what are what are the the biggest highlights in my life? Um, that's that's not one of them. It sounds really twisted because like on this safari, like I was this close to cheetahs, you know, like we drove around in this big thing and we could drive cheetahs, giraffes, um, lions, elephants. Um, we went to a riverbank where we just looked over and there were like crocodiles down there, and there was hippos, <laughs> and we drove up to a rhino, like. It was amazing, you guys. I mean, and as beautiful as it was, there was just this gnawing um, place in my heart. And you know why? Like, and it, it, until I wouldn't have dreamed this until I was actually experiencing it. My biggest thought was, my kids aren't here with me. My wife isn't here with me. Like, I could not fully enjoy it because, like, I just wish they were there. Like, they would, you know, just uh, hear their delight at the cheetah and the I mean, all these things, you know. And so. It was so surreal. Like I was amazed and so grateful that I got to be there, but I couldn't fully enjoy that. And what are the odds of me ever getting to pull all five of us over there to do that? You know, so it's like just, isn't that, isn't that weird? But um, that whole concept has hit me weird this week that um, one, of my, one of my favorite verses has always been Psalm 1611 that says, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And I've always, I've always gone, That for sure, like anybody that gets to be in God's presence and experiencing his glory and his love, that has to be the most amazing place to be. But I had never thought of this till this week, that that joy goes both directions, that that the joy of a perfect father in heaven is to have is to have you there with him. God has made all this, all of creation, all of the universe. And I mean, it's beautiful and it's glorious, but isn't this weird that there's a part in the heart of God that is just missing unless, you know, you were created to be known by him and be loved by him. And that says so much about God and how just his heart is for us. But it also says so much about you and how God sees you and how God values you. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And, And that's the beauty of the gospel is that what Jesus did was that he, he just came into this world to rescue us from living in this small, dinky little kingdom where you got King Doug, you know, and just you know, all alone by himself, just crashed into that and to bring us into this beautiful kingdom where God is king, where he is meeting our needs and where we are full of joy in his presence, but we are delighted in with the perfect love of perfect Father, that's the beauty of God with us. That's the beauty of, of God saves. So the ultimate no-brainer out of this is, um, where I really thought a lot of this sermon was going to land, but it didn't. We just have a couple more minutes. But it's Romans eight thirty one and 32. If you pinned me down and put a gun to my head and said, what's your favorite verse? This would probably most, 95% of the time, this verse would come out. Okay? So it's uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? So God, the awesome, infinite God, is with us, and God is is for us. And if you look at all that God has done for us, this is the ultimate non-brainer, is no-brainer. Is God for us? Yes. Look what He's done. He sent Jesus. Jesus rescued us from sin. Jesus brings us into this kingdom where we can know God. Is God for us? Is God pro you? Is He for you? I mean, the, the no-brainer answer is absolutely yes. And if you have any doubts, you just you look at the manger, and you look at the cross, and you look at the picture of what God envisions heaven being, where he is with you forever, wiping away every tear, fullness of joy. Is God for you? It's like, absolutely yes. The answer is yes. And so the promise here is that God will continue to provide everything you need, that he has already met our greatest need. We were alone, we were separated, we were isolated, and he's already met the greatest need we have by having Jesus die for our sins And he's already laid out the most extravagant gift he could lay out to get you there. He laid out the life of his son, Jesus Christ. He's met your greatest need. He's paid the greatest cost he'll ever pay. And so now any other need we have along the way is chump change compared to what he's already done. And so is God for you? God's not going to do all that work for you and then turn his back on you and say, okay, I'll see you in 10 years. Hope it goes well for you. Like you're on your own now. Like he... He will continually provide all that you need, all that you need to live in this kingdom where He is your God, and you know that He is with you. That's that's the beauty of of the gospel. So, um, I got to say this: like we're we're stepping into the holidays, and um, it's almost like you know how cold weather can bring out joint pain. Anybody's got joint pain or changing weather, you can tell. There's something about the holidays that evokes just pain in people too in the last couple of weeks I, I know there are some in our midst that are just going through some just brutal pain that I, I just I can't even imagine and so there's a temptation during those times to just say God where are you like God where are you in this pain where are you uh, the loneliness isn't I, I'm I just I'm just in pain right now and so one thing that helps in this is to realize that we have a God who, Uh, is acquainted with pain, that to make this whole transition possible, uh, this whole transaction possible of us coming back so that he could be God with us, is that he did suffer great cost and great loss at having his son die for us. He is acquainted with our griefs. In fact, I would say he has suffered more greatly than we ever will, because we have no idea what it's like to separate the perfect sinless relationship of God the Father and God the Son. He did that willingly for us. So there's a cool trend. There's a cool promise you see in the Bible that not only is God acquainted with our hurts, but that God pushes in even closer to those who are grieving and to those who are hurting, that God draws near to broken hearts. So it's true for all of us that God wants to be with us, which should blow us away. The eternal God always with you, but in those moments where you are especially grieved and hurting, if it were possible, and it is, that God would even push in harder and even closer to you in those hard times. That's, you know, so God's people, as you look throughout history, he was always with them, but there were times where there seemed to be delay. Adam and Eve sinned, then hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus came as Savior. And so now when we are going to sing in a little bit, "Oh come, Oh come, Emmanuel, come, God, be with us, like a lot of times that was written in people waiting for Jesus to come, okay, or that, that concept of Emmanuel. But now we're in the second stretch of waiting. Jesus has come. Jesus has risen from the dead. Now we're waiting for him to come again and restore all things. And so there's still that part of us. It's just longing for Jesus to come. So in those moments of waiting and longing and hurt, God is the kind of God that doesn't stand back. Why well, would you just deal with it? You know, buck it up. Here we go. Like just man up. It's not, it's not that. He says, you know, I am I'm gonna be close to those who are brokenhearted. That's why when you look at your life, it's the hardest times in your life where you were just stripped of anything you could count on or trust in besides God, that you're gonna see your your walk with God gets stronger and closer because He's pressing in even nearer than He already is when you hit those hard moments. And so um. here's a beautiful summary of what we've talked about this morning is that you are loved so deeply and you are pursued so powerfully by Jesus that Jesus came to our place and Jesus took our place and then Jesus invites us back to his place right he came to our place in a manger he took our place on a cross and he invites us to his place which would be to live in his presence for the rest of the days of our lives. In AD 404, there was a church leader at that time named John Chrysostom, and he was threatened by the Roman emperor to abandon his Christian faith. And so uh, he was first threatened with banishment if he would remain a Christian, to which Chrysostom replied, you cannot banish me for this world is my father's house. And so I could just sense the tension and the frustration. Well, then I will kill you, said the emperor. No, you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ in God. And so the frustration is even more, then I will take away your treasures. No, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. Ugh! you know. Oh So I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left. And Chrysostom said, no, you cannot, for I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you for there is nothing you can do to harm me. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God is for us. Who can be against us? What a liberated way to live. And what what a beautiful gift that our Father is giving us through God with us, through Jesus Christ. Let's let's pray. And before I pray, why don't you uh, just respond. And is there a particular area in your life or is there someone in your life that, just really, where you need this truth and this reminder that God is with you and that God is for you, just respond—either praise Him or ask Him for for strength. Just you respond, Lord Jesus. What another amazing gift we get to open. Today, from the heart of our generous God, we have been given the gift of God himself. And Jesus, thank you for all that you did to execute that plan. Thank you that you came to our place. You came and took our place so that we can live forever in your place. God, help us live lives. I thank you for a church where I see many who are living with those realities, who are living generously and courageously and and at peace in the midst of hard things. But Lord, we we continue to need to be reminded of who you are. So God, just unleash us as a people to live as if God is with us and God is for us. In Jesus' name, amen.